As the uh, text for this morning has already been read, I want to uh, just begin to uh, enter into a time of prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for gathering us together today. Uh, dear Lord, as many of us come um, from this Naperville Covenant Church community, um, dear Lord, but we are also thankful for uh, folks who have been virtually part of our community over the past months. Um, who uh, have been with us in prayer and in experience and in worship, uh, we consider them part of our family as well. Uh, so open our hearts and our minds today to the text. Uh, dear God, uh, I believe that you have something to say uh, through your word uh, that speaks to us right now. Uh, so lift us up. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of my message today is Joy in Uncertainty. Joy in Uncertainty. Um, joy um, in this season seems like a far-fetched idea, especially when we consider the fact that over 17 million people have filed for unemployment um, in the last three weeks and the projected percentage of unemployment um, in the country is at about 15 percent. That worldwide there has been over 300,000 deaths related um, to the coronavirus. And even more specifically um, between DuPage and Will County, the counties that we that a lot of us live in, um, there have been 485 deaths. The 17 deaths at uh, Alden. Then there's the tragic deaths of uh, our sister, Brianna Taylor, who was killed in her home in her sleep because of a botched police raid. There's Ahmaud Arbery, who uh, was killed as a result of a vigilante uh, justice. We, we mourn. How do we find joy? We think about the frontline workers who are committing suicide and who are suffering from depression and anxiety as they are on the front lines of this disease and are trying to, to treat people and care for people and are succumbing to it themselves. How do we find joy? How do we find joy when we um, are watching our kids suffer from uh, depression and anxiety and social isolation as a result of Corona and not being able to interact with their friends at school and their 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 teachers and their coaches and uh, things of that nature? How is it possible for us to find Joy, when we are thinking about the fact that from every educational level, from grad school on down, that we have had to cancel graduation ceremonies and celebration of our academic accomplishments. When we are missing out on proms. When our loved ones are dying alone in hospital rooms, how can we find Joy. Our, our, our congregations 
all over the country are are struggling to keep their doors open uh, because they don't have the means to to stream they were they were already struggling before the pandemic hit but now it's even more difficult because of the lack of being able to gather and worship um, together in this sacred space and not having the means to extend their worship beyond the walls our denomination is is struggling and and due to the prolonged lack of giving combined with the pandemic, uh, it will have consequences that will affect dozens and dozens of families. Not just our denomination, but when I think about our camps, uh, specifically Covenant Point and Covenant Harbor, who have made drastic decisions to programming over the summer. Covenant, Covenant, a point being closed down completely, Covenant Harbor, Harbor, having, still holding out hope that, that, that maybe we can do some family camps, but we are struggling. And I have to admit, much like, uh, my sister last week, Kayla, uh, shared that for us as, as pastors and worship leaders and, 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 and ushers and, and church folks, uh, it has been an ongoing struggle because we know that God is present everywhere. We know that he is, is with us, worshiping with us in our homes and, 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 and in our uh, through the Internet. But we as people who 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 uh, uh, get energy from interaction who get, get vibrant energy from the smiles that we see when we look into the congregation, the smiles that we get when we shake your hands coming in and out of the door, the hugs that we get, the affirmations that we receive, and missing all of that. Preaching to a camera, singing to a camera for our youth pastor who hasn't met many of the students, but is working diligently. How do we find joy? People are hurting. People are in pain. People are looking for a glimpse of hope, a glimpse of joy, something to keep them motivated to wake up day after day after day, not knowing when this will come to an end. But not just this pandemic, but when we think about the effects of hate in our world and racism in our world and poverty in our world and all of the things that this isolation has exacerbated. The fact that our country right now is so divided about whether or not we should stay in or we should go out in the face of the economy. While lives are being lost, we are simply all over the place. People are hurting and in pain. And when we are faced with the reality of the pain and the turmoil and the chaos that surrounds us, I wonder if it is even possible to find a reason to smile. Well, our text today tells us something different. Our text today paints a positive picture, uh, a, a way for us in the midst of all of the things that we are going through to find joy in the midst of this uncertainty. Paul writes this letter to the Philippian church while he is in prison. And one of the things that he wanted to make sure that the Philippian church understood was that his imprisonment was actually helping to advance the message of the gospel. Because though he was physically in chain, he took every opportunity that he could to share the gospel message. And the gospel message began to, to spread through that prison. 
like wildfire. And, and then he found himself helping people who were physically in chain be spiritually free. And so though the Philippian church uh, were concerned for him, uh, uh, he was trying to encourage them that they were able to thrive in the midst of affliction. Because brothers and sisters, the Philippian church was also struggling. They were not uh, in prison like Paul, but they were continuing to suffer uh, trials and tribulations. Because it was not popular to be a follower of the way at that time. And so though they had this tight-knit community of believers, of people who believed in the work of Jesus Christ, what they found was still opposition. What they found was still toil and snares. What they found was uh, uh, this this disdain for that Christian uh, community. And they were also in writing to Paul wanting to receive some level of encouragement of how they were supposed to manage to find joy in this belief, find joy in Jesus Christ, find joy in the decision that they made as a community to follow Christ when they were constantly being attacked. Paul in his letter reminds them of how powerful it is to be centered in Jesus in the midst of turmoil. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, he was able to say, hey, here's the thing. I don't know what is going to happen to me. But what I do know is that to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, what he was saying, he was so centered on Jesus Christ. He was so centered on his uh, uh, his his ministry, uh, so centered on what he was called to do, that even though he didn't know what was going to happen, what he understood was that as long as he was alive, it was a good thing because he had another day to spread the gospel news. But even if his imprisonment, even if folks coming after him ended in his death, that he would get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And so either way it went, uh, 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 Paul was able to find encouragement in his season because he knew that as long as he was alive, he was going to give God praise. And if in the process he didn't make it, he was going to go to praise God. I wonder what it looks like for us to have that type of faith, to have that measure of faith. Like Paul being confident in the Lord, having his confidence in the Lord, having his hope in the Lord, and now having his joy in the Lord, and then calling the church to do the same thing. So in verse in chapter four, uh, verse four, Paul says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all that the Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. I think the first thing as it pertains to us having the ability to figure out how to have joy in the midst of uncertainty and turmoil is that our joy must be centered in Christ. See, Paul was able to find joy because his joy was connected to the Lord. 
And what it means to have our joy uh, rooted in the Lord is to allow our reality to be shaped by the work on the cross that cannot be undone. See, what does that mean? We know that because of Jesus Christ's work on the cross, that our penalty has already been paid. Our debt has already been paid. And so for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we know that the end of our story doesn't end with our earthly bodies. It ends with us being reconnected to Jesus Christ. And so no matter how tough things get, when, when, when I am centered on that truth, everything else seems to pale in comparison. But brothers and sisters, part of the struggle that we have is that our our joy and our hopes aren't built on things eternal. Like the song says, build your hopes on things eternal, hold to God's unchanging hands. Unfortunately for many of us, our joy, um, our happiness, our contentment are, are built on things that pass away. Now, I'm not saying that that, that we should not uh, have security as a result of the hard work that we do every day in our jobs. Because many of us have to work to, to pay bills and to, to live life and to take vacations and to be time, spend time with our families and to eat. We need our jobs for uh, everyday things. Brothers and sisters, the things that we often allow ourselves to be the centerpiece of our happiness, whether it's our jobs, whether it's stuff, whether it's human relationships, whether it's the goals that we set. When those things that we that we work to attain, that we try to attain, become the centerpiece of our joy and happiness, when those things that will inevitably pass away fall apart or fall through, we find ourselves in seasons where we feel lost. What Paul is challenging us to is this reminder to say that here, that the possibility of joy in the midst of this turmoil and attack Philippian church is connected to your ability to find joy in the Lord. Because when your joy is in the Lord, no matter what the external circumstances are, you will not Finds ourselves down and out. Paul is saying this from prison. Paul, who was a Jew among Jews, who was a who was a Pharisee, who had who had wealth and power and all these things, who had given those things up in order to pursue the gospel mission, now finds himself in prison and is able to be joyful and call other people to rejoice because he is able to rejoice. Because all of those things didn't matter when his joy was centered in Jesus Christ. In order for us to be able to survive this, this pandemic, this, this epidemic, this, this virus, uh, this hate, all of these that are happening around us, we must find our joy in the sacrifice and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The next thing the text says is this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul understood 
that, that, that turmoil and trial and attack can cause anxiety and can cause fear. Brothers and sisters, we know that what we are going through right now causes fear and anxiety because we don't know the outcome. We don't know where the death toll will stop. For some of us, we don't know when we'll be able to go back to work. For some of us, we might not be able to go back to work. We just don't know. And so Paul isn't uh, isn't attacking them for being anxious, just like I don't think that we should beat ourselves up for being fearful or being anxious. But I think what this text is saying or what Paul is encouraging to do, he is saying, but listen, you don't have to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What he has challenged us to do, instead of letting anxiety take over, instead of letting fear take over, he is saying, hey, take these things to God in prayer. Take these things to God in prayer, knowing that God is always working on our behalf in front of the scenes, in the middle of the scenes, behind the scenes, that God is moving in a way that we don't often see. And part of the problem is that we rarely use prayer as our first retort. Brothers and sisters, too many times prayer is our thing that we go to after we've already acted on our own and messed the situation up. And now we need to figure out how to get out of the mess that we've already created. See, brothers and sisters, Paul is calling us saying, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't uh, to do anything unnecessary. Instead of letting these, this anxiety take over, spend time in prayer. Listening to God, asking God what direction it is he would have you go. Take your needs and your wants to God with thanksgiving, knowing that the God who answered your prayers before is going to answer them now. The result of this, I believe, is what he is saying. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is this reminder that there is a peace, a peace that comes from our constant interaction with God. There's there's a, a peace because we will remember that God's plan for us has always been wholeness, has always been healing, has always been reconnection and connection to him. And so as we pray, as we take these things to God, what we find out is that God desires to answer our prayers. And there's a peace that comes when we realize uh, that there is a God who is constantly working on our behalf. But too many times we don't pray to start out with. So not only should we pray in the beginning, we should be praying in the midst of and throughout. Brothers and sisters, we have to maintain a prayerful posture and trial in order to maintain our ability to have joy because the less we pray, the more we're able to focus on the trials in front of us. Which is why I believe Paul said this next in verse 8. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned, think about such things. 
See, Paul understood that because we don't pray the way that we should, because we are not bathing ourselves in prayer and praying as much as we should, that our thoughts go all over the place. And so Paul was encouraging us to protect our thoughts. I believe that the heart of verse 8 was calling the Philippian church to protect their thoughts because he knew that if they weren't praying the way that they should be praying, that they were too focused on the trials. They were too focused on the attacks. And brothers and sisters, I believe that for many of us, we are doing the same thing because we have not had our joy centered in Christ. And because we are not maintaining a posture of prayer that our thoughts are too oftentimes stuck on the problem. And what what Paul is challenging them to do, he's saying, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, he's saying, think about those things. See, part of the thing that happens when we begin to focus too much on our struggles and what's happening around us is that we start to forget about all of the blessings. We start to forget about all of the good things. We start to forget about all of the praiseworthy things that are happening. And what Paul is saying, and do no, readjust your thought process a little bit so you can stop worrying about the problem and start thinking about praise. So you can stop worrying about your trials and start thinking about your testimonies. Stop worrying about the things that are, the attacks that are coming against you and start thinking about how much God has done and is doing. See, Paul understood that our minds had an important uh, 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 effect on how we endured trials and tribulations and how we were able to or unable to find joy, which is why in Romans 12, 1, 2, Paul challenges us to be not... Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, he challenges us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be renewed by the transforming of our minds. Paul was constantly understanding that our minds had so much power over our posture. And if we weren't people of prayer, then our thoughts weren't going to be thoughts that were centered on God. And so Paul is saying, listen, stop worrying about the trials and start remembering all of the things that God is doing and has done for this community. And I challenge us to do the same because as we are starting to to go crazy and and, and lose our hair over uh, what is happening around us and being forced to stay inside the news stories of all of the things that are happening in this world that are bringing sadness to our lives. We have to remember to think about how much God has done. Because too many times we let trials and tribulation make us forget who God is, who he has been to us, and who we know he will continue to be. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so God did not leave us then and he won't leave us now. Which I believe, which led Paul to this, 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 this final verse in verse nine to say this. He said, listen, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. 
I think the last thing that we can take away from this section of text as it pertains to how to find joy in uncertainty is remembering the witnesses of those who had gone before us. That we must remember the witness of those who have gone before us. Paul is saying, listen, in the middle of all this turmoil, in the middle of all this trial, in the middle of all that you're going through, if you can't find a glimpse of hope, if you can't find a reason to have joy, just look at my life. And he says, remember what you have learned. Because brothers and sisters, if we are studying our scripture then there are things that we have learned about God that should that should that should support us and undergird us as we struggle to find joy in this season. And, and if it wasn't something that we learned, he says, uh, uh, have you learned or received? So even in our trials and our turmoils, brothers and sisters, we have to be able to look back and say, like, you know what? I didn't think I was going to make it through this. But I did because God was blessing me and working things out for my good. He says, or heard. Because maybe it's not our own personal testimony, but you can remember uh, your, your cousin or your grandma or your mama or your dad or, or somebody who have, has shared their testimony with you that told you about a difficulty that they were going through and how God got them through it. And it says seen, because I believe if we look around, there's always evidence of God working in and around us. And so Paul takes these four things. He says, he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. In other words, we just need to take inventory of what's been going on around us to, 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 to overlook all of the all of the bad things and think about how how we've learned about God's faithfulness, how we've been the recipients of God's faithfulness, how we've heard about God's faithfulness and how we've seen God in action. And when we allow ourselves to do those things and put those things that we've learned, received, heard and seen into practice, the God of peace will be with us. I think about my life and all of the things that have happened that were supposed to come and maybe take us out. I think about uh, the Gulf War when I was in my teens. I, I, I think about how we survived Y2K and how everything was supposed to end. And so Prince told us to party like it was 1999 and 1999 came and went. I remember where I was when the when the towers fell two months after signing up to be in the army. I remember where I was when I was to uh, got my deployment letter in two thousand and three. And I wonder if you take survey of your life, you can think back of all of the times where the where the enemy, where the world, where circumstances came to steal your joy, but you are able to look back on those things today because you survived. We 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 survived the swine flu, we survived the economic crisis of 2008, and it wasn't without loss. But we're still here. And I believe, brothers and sisters, the reason why we survived, why the church survived, why our family survived, was because we had the cloud of witnesses that had gone before us to show us how to endure 
in uncertainty, how to find joy in uncertainty because my joy is not rooted in worldly things, but my joy is rooted in a Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins, who, who died so that I can be reconnected with his father for eternity. And so like Paul said, to, to live is Christ. Because every day that I have above ground is another day for me to give God glory. But to die is gain, knowing that my body will be, that my spirit will be reconnected with God on the other side, brothers and sisters. And so we have to have joy in understanding that this thing won't take us out either. Because God is the center of our joy. The last thing I want to say is this. It's okay not to be okay. You don't have to beat yourself up for being down. You don't have to beat yourself up for being discouraged or feeling sad or being worried. Because it's a reality for us. But I believe the scripture lays out a path for us as believers to get through it. So it's okay not to be okay. But what we must not do is that our trials... And tribulations cause us to forget who God is. Our joy is in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to close now with this song that uh, we're just going to kind of sing over you. And we hope that this song can sort of be a little bit of a, a reminder and a mantra, maybe um, if you can get it stuck in your head, um, that it would be something that you could turn to and use uh, to return to rest and uh, to remember to find joy um, in Christ and not be anxious during this time. And this is actually a song that I wrote um, out of the text of Psalm 116, verse 7. And I've asked some of my friends to join me in singing um, because... They really kind of brought to life this song with the singing of harmonies. And so thanks to them for joining. Uh, you'll see them on the screen. But I think it's really important that in these times uh, we have friends and we sing this type of song um, in community with other people because that helps us remember um, God's goodness and remember the times that he has been been with us. And so... Um, this is Psalm 116, verse 7, and um, the text out of that scripture is this. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Thank you. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 as our benediction. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, may God's peace May the joy of the Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit sustain us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.